this. The day the sun stood still. Let's pray. Lord, tonight, would you help us as we look at uh, this passage and make some applications to our lives? Lord, I pray that tonight would be the beginning of overcoming some enemies that so severely attack us. And Lord, uh, may we uh, identify them and Lord know how to overcome them. Lord, there are many people in our church tonight that need this sermon that are not here. Lord, I pray that they would tune in and online and listen, or they would get a hold of the sermon later and listen to it. And may these truths help everyone that comes across them. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. So, the Israelites had marched into, into the Canaan land. They had conquered Jericho. They, after a time, defeated Ai. And they were marching on and defeating uh, city after city. And the Gibeonites decided that they were going to pull a fast one on Joshua and the Israelites. And so they got a bunch of moldy bread and a bunch of wore-out shoes and wore-out clothes. And they got on their camels and they got the frailest of camels they could find. And they made the, the, just a, a few-mile trip uh, over, the, uh, over the valley and through the woods and over to where Joshua uh, was and they lied to Joshua. They said, we're from a land of far, 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 far away. In fact, you'll probably never get to us. But we've heard about the might of your God, and we know what he's capable of, and we want to see if we can make a pact with you that, uh, that you will never, ever destroy us. And they came in goodwill, and uh, Joshua did not consult with God on this. He did not uh, go to the Lord in prayer about it, did not get his advice, and so they, uh, they, agreed upon, uh, th- they agreed upon this, and the next thing you know, uh, uh, they are going about their way a few days, a few weeks later, and they stumble upon the Gibeonites, and they say, wait, wait, wait a minute, you told us you were, we were probably never even going to see you again, and, and you're just the next town over, what's going on here? And they said, well, a deal is a deal and you now own us, You're now, we're now part of you, and we, we're going to be your slaves. And so that's where we find the Gibeonites. And so we, uh, we see here uh, in this story that uh, Joshua has a responsibility to protect the Gibeonites because they are now going to become part of the nation of Israel. And so that's where we find uh, Joshua in the reference of history. Uh, I want tonight for us to look at uh, five thoughts about this story of where Joshua and the Israelites are faced uh, faced with the threat of five kings that make a pact come up against Israel and talk about how that uh, sometimes we have enemies in our life that seem to get the best of us. We have weaknesses that come along and uh, come after us. And uh, uh, if we don't handle them the way Joshua handled them, then I believe that uh, that, uh, they, that they can get the best of us uh, over the long term of our life and really limit our ability to serve God, really limit our ability to overcome things uh, for God, and uh, can steal from us our joy, can steal from us spiritual success. And some of you here say, Pastor, I have been fighting these same enemies for years, and in some cases decades, and I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. Uh, what do I do? And sometimes we need God to step in and do something extra special. 
Sometimes we need God to step in and do something like he did for Joshua, how Joshua commanded the sun to stand still. Now, our understanding of how outer space works, it wasn't that the sun stood still, it was that the earth came to a screeching halt. You know anything about the speed at which the earth moves? If our earth were to come to a screeching halt, everything on it would fly off into outer space. God was able to bring the earth to a complete halt and cause the sun to stand in its place so that these enemies could be chased down and defeated in a great way and that Israel could have victory against five different kingdoms all at the same time. You're here tonight and there is something that's been plaguing you, getting the best of you. We'll look at some of those enemy types in just a moment. And you turn around and you think you have the victory and you don't. Maybe you need God to perform a miracle similar to that of Joshua where he makes the sun stand still. No, not literally, but figuratively. He does something extra special for you so that you can have some great victory in your life that prior to, prior to maybe tonight you thought was never possible. So let's jump in tonight and look at these five thoughts and we'll make some applications out of Joshua chapter 10. If you're taking notes tonight, notice number one, the enemy's assault. The enemy's assault. So go back over to Joshua chapter 10 and verse number 1. I'm going to try to read through some difficult names here. Be patient with me here. I'm going to do my best. I, I can read them great in my office when I'm studying, but I get up in front of a crowd like you and I get nervous. So I might have to rename them Bubba and Joseph. We'll see how it goes. Look at verse number 1. Now it came to pass when uh, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how uh, Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, uh, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and now the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. That They feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, uh, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, or Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto uh, Jephiah, king of Lachish, and unto uh, Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it uh, hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, uh, they and all their hosts, and uh, encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. So picture this with me. Uh, word is spreading throughout the land that uh, this mighty Israel, the children of Israel, are marching city to city, and they're taking back the land that belonged to their forefathers. They rolled right over mighty Jericho. They rolled right through Ai. And uh, Gibeon, this mighty city, looked at the Israelites and said, we're no match for the God of the Israelites We've got to go in and make a truce. I explained to you the trickery involved there. And so these five kings, they say, look, uh, we can't, uh, think about this uh, uh, tactically from their point, we can't overcome Israel and we can't overcome the Gibeonites with the Israelites. We've got to do something. So these five kings put themselves together in a pact and they put their armies together and they decided they were going to go after the traitors 
after the Gibeonites. So the five of them gathered themselves together and gathered their armies together. And instead of Israel taking them out one at a time, five kings had gathered their armies together to go first after the Gibeonites. And I believe if they could defeat the Gibeonites, they were going to come mightily after the Israelites. You ever feel like that you have multiple problems in your life that are ganging up on you together and coming after you? And sometimes in my life I feel like if I've got one enemy to battle, I can size that enemy up spiritually and I can take them on. But then I turn around and I've got two, three, four, five enemies and they're all getting themselves together and seemingly coming after me. And boy, it can feel like an uphill battle trying to defeat these. And I'll come home from work some days and, and uh, you know, I'll have uh, five, six, seven things go wrong in different areas. And, and Angela's like, you're a mess today. What's wrong with you? And I say, it's not one thing. It's multiple things all layered together. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? You know, um, little annoyances, we can go to bed and wake up the next morning and have a fresh perspective. But there are some times where we have enemies that we face, and you go to bed and you wake up the next morning, and it's just as daunting as it was the night before. Now, I could have come up with 20, 30, 40 different types of enemies, spiritual enemies that attack us. I may or may not list yours tonight, but will you do this for me right where you're at right now? Will you pray and ask the Lord as I go over the list to show you if one of the five that I mention apply to you, and if not, for God to show you which enemy it is that's just defeating you over and over and over again, and uh, for God maybe tonight to give you victory or show you how he can work a miracle. Let me give you five here. The first one I want to list is the enemy of inner struggles. The enemy of inner struggles. Now, when I say inner struggles, what I really mean is sin, habitual sin, that's just got a grip on your life and just will not seem to let go. Whether that is an angry spirit, or an anxious spirit, or an addiction to alcohol, or an addiction to some sort of drug, or an addiction to an attitude that you just can't seem to shake. An addiction to some sort of lust of the eyes, or lust of the flesh. Maybe you're filled with pride, or arrogancy, and no matter how hard you work at it, you just can't seem to shake it. Uh, Go with me over, if you would, to Galatians chapter number 5. And uh, with me, if you would, Galatians chapter number 5. And let's look at a couple of these verses together. And we see here Paul is talking about the battle that goes on inside the heart of a Christian. Now, this battle does not really go on inside the heart of anybody but a Christian. The lost, uh, all they know is sin. Even the good they try to do is sin. But look at verse number 17. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to the one to the other, so that ye cannot do... The things that you would, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Notice their group, the groups here. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. All of those have to do with sexual sins. Verse 20. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, or the party life, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have, uh, as I have I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Inner struggles, inner struggles. Is there a sin in your life that's just seemed to get hold of you and won't let go? Sins that grip you, listen here, sins that grip you when you're a child or when you're a teenager, uh, sometimes those are the hardest ones to shake because they find us all the way down in the foundation of who we are. Maybe you were neglected or abused as a child. Maybe you were exposed to something uh, as a child. Maybe uh, as a young adult, you were uh, taken advantage of or hurt in some way or abused. Maybe uh, you've allowed an addiction to, to, to come in and, and crowd your heart and your life. And it is keeping you from spiritual victory. And you say, Pastor, I feel as though I've got this enemy sitting outside the camp of my spiritual life. And it's constantly... Constantly beating my door down and assaulting me. Now, let me give you a second enemy here. Notice the enemy of others' sins. The enemy of others' sins. Now, I don't have a scripture verse to take you to per se, but I think there are multiple examples of this we can find throughout the Bible for the sake of brevity. I won't uh, indulge or, or go in any of those, but sometimes... The enemy that we deal with isn't anything that we've done directly. We are impacted by choices other people are making that hurt us. And you say, well, pastor, what am I to do when I face this enemy? You are to fall on your face before God and beg him to help you and show you the way. Each situation is different. Each circumstance is hurt. I'm talking about a woman or a wife who's married to a husband who's just lazy. And they never seem to have any money or any food, and, and, and the wife's doing everything she can, and there's just nothing there. I'm talking about a wife who's married to an abusive uh, husband, or even a husband who's married to an abusive wife, or children that are being raised in a broken home where mom and dad are ugly and spiteful and mean. I'm, I'm talking about people who have to go to work and put up with a cantankerous, nasty, unethical, unkind boss whose sins just horrify and hurt their life on a regular basis. And this is an enemy that gets your spirit turned sideways, gets your attitude turned wrong, and the next thing you know is that your whole life is just awful and miserable because of the sins of other people. I hasten, let me give you a third enemy that might group up on you, gang up on you. The enemy of satanic attack. The enemy of satanic attack. You know, it's enough to deal with that besetting sin that's in your life. That constantly gets you. And then you got to deal with other people's unkindness and selfishness and the sin. But then there comes this third enemy along who seems to make some sort of deal with the other two. And it's Satan who has his sights set on you. And as Ephesians 6 explains, he's got his wiles or his fiery darts and he's looking for any crack or crevice he can find in that spiritual uh, armor to launch in and attack you and hurt you. And Satan wants nothing more than to ruin your marriage or ruin your testimony at work or ruin your ministry at church. She wants nothing more than to tear down who you are as a Christian and embarrass you. And you feel as though there's this montage of enemies that are grouping up on you. Let me give you a fourth one here. The enemy of unmet expectations. The enemy of unmet expectation. Turn over, if you would, with me quickly to Proverbs chapter number 15 and verse number 13. Proverbs 15 and verse number 13. Unmet expectations are a hard thing to deal with. We have an expectation for ourself and where we want to go and be. I remember when I first got here to be the pastor, I sat down 
with the four deacons. And we had a meeting upstairs in the fellowship hall. I believe it was on a Friday evening. And I gave them a handout of where I hope to see the church in one year and in five years and in ten years. And I had this set of expectations for myself and a, a vision and plan for the church. And there have been times where it seems that we've moved at a little bit slower of a pace than maybe I want to have moved at. You know, I wanted to be running 2,000 in two years. I'm teasing, all right. But I had expectations, and and uh, uh, but but you might have expectations for your husband or your wife, and they're not meeting those. You may have expectations for yourself or for others around you, and unmet expectations is a hard thing to deal with. Look at chapter 15, verse 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. I can't think of anything that would crush the spirit of a man or of a woman than when their expectations are just flat out not met. Flat out not met. You expect someone to live much longer and they die tragically on you. You expect uh, uh, someone to honor you on a birthday or a Christmas or a Father's Day or a Mother's Day. That child just uh, is so self-centered and self-absorbed, they don't take the time to even recognize that you uh, exist or care for you on the level that you want. I could continue to give examples, but are there unmet expectations in your life? Are there times where you're let down? Are there times where uh, you're not getting what you want in life? Maybe it's a, a child that you're lacking or a spouse that you're lacking or a promotion at work that you're lacking or whatever it may be, but you feel as though your expectations are not being met and there is this enemy that is sitting outside the camp of your Christian life and he is almost like that 500-pound gorilla sitting on top of your spiritual life and keeping you from going and growing in the Lord. Let me give you one more, then we'll move on quickly here. Number five, notice the enemy of unforgiveness. The enemy of unforgiveness. Some of you here tonight have been hurt. In fact... If you're an adult in this room, um, I can almost promise you somebody has been ugly to you and mistreated you and has hurt you real, be- real deep and real bad. Some of you here, we could pass the microphone around if we were to just all be open and honest tonight and share. There's some pretty horrific things that have happened to the people in this room. I know about some of them. I probably don't know about most of them. But there you are facing these enemies. You have this unforgiveness in your heart. By the way, let me just say this about uh, number five here. This enemy right here is an epidemic in Christianity. Epidemic. This enemy right here, the enemy of unforgiveness, will ruin you faster than any of the other four. Now, I mean that. You have had someone mistreat you and hurt you. God will take you. If you don't forgive, he'll give you some space to forgive. But if you don't forgive in the time he wants you to forgive, he will take you and he will turn you over to mental torment. Now, don't miss this. Because I know Christians who have lost their brain. They have been, uh, 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 they, I would label them as clinically insane because they did not forgive and God said you took advantage of forgiveness at salvation and now you won't turn around and forgive someone in your life who has hurt you far less than your sin hurt me. Now you can't let this enemy defeat you. 
You can't let this enemy get the best of you. Some of you here tonight have been hurt by a spouse or by a child or maybe even by a pastor. You've been hurt by somebody along the way. You've been hurt by a set of circumstances. You may even be upset with God over the way things have gone. And I've got to say, you have got to learn not to let that enemy get the best of you. But uh, uh, how many here tonight would be willing to say, Pastor, uh, I'm not going to say that they're all beating me down constantly, but at least two of these, at least two of these five, I feel at times they gang up against me and assault my Christian life. How many of you would be honest enough to raise your hand and say, that's me, two, at least two of these five, gang up on me, and they can get the best of me. The enemy's assault. Now, what are you going to do about it? That's the question. Let's move on to number two quickly, and let's notice Joshua's attitude. Joshua's attitude. All right, so you've got these enemies that have ganged up on you. What are you going to do about it? We can look at Joshua and we can see. Now, uh, notice there, uh, first of all, he accepted responsibility. He accepted responsibility. Uh, Look at verse number six. So, just to recap quickly, these five kings gathered their armies together and put their armies uh, in, in, in array and sat outside of the city of Gibeon and planned on taking out the Gibeonites who had just made an alliance with Israel. And so we, we come to verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountain are gathered together against us. Joshua could have said, well, you all lied to me about your location. I don't owe you anything. Those five kings want to take you out? I'm sorry, I'm a little too busy to deal with you. You know, that's not what he did. Joshua accepted responsibility. He said, I have made a promise to you. Yes, you deceived me. It doesn't matter. I'm not responsible for your lying. I'm responsible for my word and my attitude. He accepted responsibility. Can we be honest tonight? Whichever one of those five giants or enemies that are out to get you or sitting at your doorstep tonight, whichever one it is, maybe there are others that I didn't get to this evening. Can, I, can we be honest tonight? Everybody here can make an excuse as to why it isn't your fault that you're being attacked by that enemy. Right? We all can make excuses. Well, if I'd been raised in a different home, I wouldn't be dealing with this sin struggle. If such and such had not hurt me or some loved one of mine, I wouldn't be battling with unforgiveness. If such an, if, if, if this uh, hadn't happened uh, at work and my boss wasn't such a jerk, then I wouldn't be dealing with the oppression of other sins. If my husband was better, if my wife was better, if my parents treated me better, if my children treated me better, we can deflect, we can reflect, we can fi- always find a reason why it's not our fault and why we shouldn't have to deal with it. But Joshua did not look at the uh, Gibeonites and say, uh, you lied to me. No, he looked at himself in the mirror and said, I made an alliance with them, I'm accepting responsibility, I'm going to step up and own it, and I'm going to do what I said I would do, even if it means my own hurt. He accepted responsibility. The very first thing that some of you need to do tonight is first state 
the obvious that you have an enemy that's trying to attack you and it is an enemy and that you're not going to live with defeat, that you're going to rise up and instead of playing defense, you're going to play offense. Accept responsibility. The second thing he did was he acted quickly. He acted quickly. Joshua didn't wait. He didn't wait uh, uh, until uh, uh, the problem got bigger or worse. He didn't pretend like it wasn't there. Look at verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. I mean, you might remember with the battle of Ai, Joshua just took a select set of men and sent them, and then that didn't work, and then they used the whole army. Remember, they drew them out of the city, and they ambushed them from behind. They, they filled the city with people. Well, Joshua knew this time, listen, we gotta, we got to bring the top guns. We've got to bring in the special forces, the Green Berets, the Navy SEALs. we got to bring him in. He brought in the mighty men of valor. That's a great study, by the way. And uh, they went in, and they did not delay. Don't let the grass grow up under your feet. You see that you got a struggle in your life. You see that you got an enemy that's uh, wanting to beat you down. You get up, and you attack, and you fight, and you go after it. Look at verse number 9. Look at verse number 9. It says, Joshua therefore came unto them. What's that next word? Are you looking with me? Look back at verse number 9. I caught some of you sleeping. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. He didn't even say, hey, let's let the troops get a good night's sleep. And then we'll, we'll depart in the morning. No, no, no. He got them up and they marched all night long from Gilgal to Gibeon in order to fight off this enemy. He said, we're not going to wait. And, and again, uh, uh, the application here tonight is, don't, don't say that I'm going to deal with this tomorrow. I know that uh, New Year's is coming and we say, well, I'm going to make some resolutions in 2019. I'm just going to blow it from now to the end of the year. No, no, no. You decide right now that these enemies, whichever they are, that are launching assault on your Christian life, that you're going to act quickly. You're going to march toward them and you're going to do everything you can to defeat them. Number three, or letter C, notice he attacked directly. Look at verse number 10. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way uh, that goeth up to Beth uh, Horon and smote them to uh, uh, Azekah and unto uh, uh, Makeda. Look down with me at verse number 20. Turn to verse number 20. And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them uh, uh, with a very great slaughter till they were consumed that the rest which remained of them entered into fenced cities. So they totally abolished and demolished and got rid of this enemy. They did not wait. They did not beat around the bush. They did not make excuses. They identified who the enemy was. They acted quickly and they attacked directly. Can we all tonight, maybe when we get home and we have a few moments, uh, uh, sit down and write out what our own enemies are and then write down how it is that we can accept responsibility instead of reflecting? How it is that we can act quickly to rectify the situation and attack the enemy. And how it is that we can attack directly to get it solved. Joshua's attitude. Uh, We have too many Christians that walk around with a defeatist attitude. Too many Christians walk around saying, well, uh, I guess I'm just stuck and I can't overcome. And and this is how it is. And and until I get this, this is just how I'm going to be and act. My friend, hold your head high. You got the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Heaven is your home. Salvation is sweet. And, the, and, the, and, the, and, and God is good. And so we know that God can give us the victory if we will claim it through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua's attitude, number three, notice, 
Israel's assistance. Look down with me in Joshua chapter 10 and verse number 8. I hasten. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. So, here they are, traveling through the night to get to Gibeon, to fight these kings. And God assures Joshua audibly, he says, Hey, listen, there are five of them, and there really are only two of you, the Israelites and the Gibeonites. But don't worry. You may be outnumbered, but you're not, because I'm on your team. And when I'm on your team, you'll never be outnumbered. All right? Uh, you, you can win. Now, I have labeled this, uh, uh, number three here is Israel's assistance. Can we be honest tonight? It was really that Israel was assisting God, not that God was assisting Israel. God was going to win the battle. He just needed the Israelites like puppets to go. And he was going to do it. You say, well, pastor, can you prove that? Look down at verse 11. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and uh, were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, and they died. They were, uh, they were more which died with hailstones than they which the children of Israel slew with a sword. God killed more of the enemy than the Israelites did in battle. God sent great stones out of heaven to destroy the enemy, and God was the one that did it. Now, I want you to note something here, and I want you to pay great attention. I hear a lot of people say, Pastor, I am ready for God to step in and give me victory in this area. As soon as she gives me victory, then, Pastor, I'll be all set, and I've prayed, and God's not moving. And here's what I would say. Do you know that God was not going to kill these enemies until the Israelites got up and did their part? You've got to do your part before God's going to step up and do His. I see people who struggle uh, with various sins. They have interpersonal struggles. And they say, Pastor, I have prayed and prayed and prayed that God would give me the victory. You know what you're just, you know, you know what if I could compare you to the story? You know what you were like? You're like Joshua getting up at Gilgal after he got the message from the Gibeonites and then going back into his tent and, and popping down on his little uh, cushion and saying, Lord, I, I don't want to go to war because that's inconvenient, but will you take care of this? Will, will, you, just, will you just kill them? Will you just take care of these, these hostile people? You're all powerful, right? You can do it. No, Joshua had to get up. He had to gather the, 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 the men of valor. He had to gather the troops. He had to march toward Gilgal. He had to have his sword ready. He had to be trained. He had to know what he was doing. He had to be valiant and courageous and bold. Then once he went to war, then God said, I see your effort, and now I'm going to step in and do what you can't do. Too many Christians want to sit down and pray that God will give them victory over sin, but they're not willing to put in the work to overcome that sin. Why would God make up the difference? Too many people want to complain about the sins of others against them, and they don't like how other people are treating them, and they mope about it, and they complain instead of changing their attitude and directly going at how to solve it and coming up with a solution. They want to whine and complain, and God says, until you get an attitude that pleases me, I'm not going to step in and do anything. 
My friend, you have these enemies that are sitting outside the gate. If you sit and you're paralyzed and you do nothing but pray, my friend, God is never going to step in and assist you in overcoming these enemies. Now, once you step in and you do your part, then God promises that he will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14, the Bible says this, The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Once God knows you're willing to step up and fight, he's going to step up and he's going to win your battle for you. Christian, are you willing to fight? You willing to step up and do your part? What is it in your life that has you defeated? What is it in your life that you've taken a defeatist attitude toward? What is it in your life that you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, I guess that's just how it's always going to be? Well, I guess that this is just how I'm always going to be treated, or I, I guess this is just always how I'm going to feel about the unmet expectation I have in my life. I'm just going to waller in self-pity. You know, you can overcome those enemies. It doesn't matter how outnumbered you feel. It doesn't matter how big and strong they may seem. It doesn't matter how many times you've lost. You step up and do your part and you act as though it all depends on you and then pray and trust as though it all depends on God. He'll give you great victory. First John 4, verse 3 and 4 say this, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it shall, it should come, and, and even now already uh, is it in the world. Uh, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Whatever spirit it is that you have. By the way, that word spirit there means attitude. Attitude. Whatever attitude you have that isn't right. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me move on here. Notice number four, Joshua's appeal. Now here's where the story gets really good. Please don't let me lose you here. All right, This is where it gets really good. And some of you here, this is the part of the sermon you need the most. Joshua had the enemy on the run. He, um, God was killing some of them with stones, and others are being chased down. And then nighttime was coming. And the cover of night was going to keep them from being able to finish what they had started. And then the enemy was going to be able to regroup and tactically come back at them again. I can't tell you how many times in my own life where I've had one of these five enemies on the run. And then it seemed as though a proverbial nighttime came and that enemy regathered and grew stronger and came back and beat me down. can't tell you how many times it's happened to me. Whether it was a sin addiction in my life Maybe it was the giant of prayerlessness. I began to establish a habit of prayer only to have the cover of night come and other struggles to overtake me and I quit praying and I found myself falling out of the habit of prayer. Hey, am I relating with anybody tonight? How many times I have had someone hurt me, deeply hurt me, and I got to a place where I felt like I had completely forgiven them only to wake up one morning and find out that, no, I hadn't forgiven them. That I was just as bitter inside now as I was at my worst. 
that enemy had seemed to regather and regroup. Joshua said, I, we've got them on the run. We've got to finish this off now. He looks up and he sees the sun going down over here. He sees the moon beginning to pop up over there. Uh, maybe an hour or two from the sun having completely set. And he asks a very strange thing. Look at verse number 12 of Joshua chapter 10. The Bible says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord. And the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the uh, children of Israel, and he uh, said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. You read down verse 13, and you find out that's exactly what God did for them. The sun stayed in its place. The moon stayed in its place. And Israel had an additional 24 hours to chase down this enemy. Now, that's miraculous. But you know what's equally miraculous? He had marched those soldiers all night to get there. And they arrived in the morning, and they fought all day. And God had to supply them with all kinds of extra energy in order for them to be able to do that. But they chased those bad boys down, and they defeated that enemy in full. Well, one of the great parts of the story is that while they're chasing the enemy, these five kings ducked into a cave. And they send to Joshua and say, we've got them trapped in the cave. What do we do? Joshua says, cover the cave with gigantic rocks. And you then go chase down the rest of the soldiers, and we'll come back and deal with them later. You see, these kings represented, the, they were the figurehead of the enemies that were attacking them. The enemy had been wiped out. They make their way back there to the mouth of that cave. They roll away the mouth of the, the stones from the mouth. They send in soldiers to draw out those five kings. And that brings us to the last point, number five. The enemy's annihilation. The enemy's annihilation. Some of you here tonight, it's time that you quit playing a game of cat and mouse with your sin. It's time you quit playing a game of cat and mouse with your enemies where you have it beat for a little bit and it gets away. You have it beat for a little bit and it gets away. One of those times that we had mice in our house, I guess about a year or so ago, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and, and uh, Angela doesn't even know about this. So she's going to find out right now. And I went into the kitchen and there was a mouse running around the kitchen. And our cat was chasing that mouse all around the kitchen. And, and I, I got up on top of the island and I'm sitting on top of the island and that's 2 in the morning, and I'm watching this cat chase this mouse all around the kitchen. And, and it was the most frustrating thing. He would catch the mouse. He would take a couple chomps. He'd drop it and let it run around a little bit more. And then he'd go chase it down again and bite it a couple more times and drop it and chase it a little bit more. And I'm thinking, eventually he's got to kill this mouse. Right? But then the wildest thing happened. He dropped the mouse, and the mouse ran under the stove. And when I pulled the stove away, the mouse had disappeared. And I thought, you dumb cat! You could have killed him while you had him! You know, that's what we do with the enemies that attack us. We'll have it defeated for a little bit, and we let it go. We'll defeat it a little bit longer, and we let it go. And it keeps rising back up on us. Rising back up and attacking us. And, and we find that we don't ask God to have the sun stand still while we continue to pursue and chase down these enemies that are attacking us and asking God for wisdom and to step in and make the difference. And I want to show you just how serious Joshua was about defeating these enemies. Look down at verse number 22. There was no game of cat and mouse 
were these kings. The Bible says, Then said Joshua, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. Now, this is kind of graphic. But I think that graphic is good, especially in the context of the message. And they did so and brought forth those five uh, kings unto him out of the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass, when they brought out those uh, kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went up with him, Come near, look here, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. Are you picturing this? Are you seeing this? Joshua wasn't playing games. Look at verse 25. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies uh, against uh, whom ye fight. He was telling the Israelites, Hey, we're going to defeat these five guys, but down the road there are more enemies coming. That's a Christian life, friends. That's a Christian life. You might think, if I can just get these enemies that Pastor listed, or these others that the Lord has shown me through the sermon, if I can just defeat them and totally destroy them, then I'll be in the clear. And the truth is, no, you won't. Because you get rid of those, and there are more enemies coming. And if we could just draw this out to its farthest conclusion, guess what happened to the Israelites? They got tired of fighting. And they left some of their enemies and never defeated them. And then they plagued them for the rest of the kingdom that they had. Uh, so you've got to stay fighting. But what happened here is after he had, they had the captains had their foot on their throats or on their necks, Joshua had those five men swing from a tree. He hung them. He completely destroyed them. They were no more. They were no more. Hey, here's the challenge for you tonight. I'm done. Here it is. Ready? Are you ready? To completely annihilate those enemies that have been plaguing you. Are you ready for that? Are you serious about, about a refusal to reflect and blame and accept, take personal responsibility, act quickly, uh, attack directly? Are you willing to call on God to fill in the gap and do for you and and conquer through your efforts? Are you willing to step on the throat of that enemy that is so uh, beating you down and attacking you and allow God to give you the victory, even if it takes Him performing a miracle such as the sun standing still? I hope tonight that your attitude will be that you refuse to lay down and have a defeatist attitude toward these enemies and you will let God give you the victory. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening. Lord, thank you for a chance to look at a story in the Bible. And Lord, how you did something great. Lord, uh, it would have taken a whole lot more effort to defeat these kingdoms individually than it did uh, for them to be defeated collectively. Lord, we're thankful that you have given great victory. Over and over again. And Lord, tonight there are those sitting in this auditorium Lord, they have been defeated by these enemies. Help us never forget 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. May we claim that, may we believe it, may we live it. In Jesus' name, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand to our feet, the altar's open. How about it tonight, Christian? Where, Where have you been getting beaten down and taken advantage of? Are you ready to tell God enough is enough? I'm going to do my part. 
The enemy's not going to have his way with me any longer. I'm going to get up. I'm going to, I'm going to own it. I'm not going to blame others. I'm going to punch the devil in the eye and I'm going to ask God to fill in the rest. It may take a miracle. But praise God, we serve a God of miracles.